My name is Megan Whitson, and my husband and I and our three boys have been attending Rolling Hills for about two years now. In December of 2016, um, I unexpectedly lost my mom. I was 28 weeks pregnant with our third son, Harrison, and um, it was just, it was, it was a pretty tough time. Um, and then I had Harrison on January 31st, and I had had bronchitis prior to having Harrison, and the boys had had it as well. Um, but I had this lingering cough that just wouldn't go away. So I went to the urgent care and um, she said that um, everything sounded great in my lungs, but she wanted to go ahead and get a chest x-ray just because I'd had the cough for so long. And they called me 24 hours later and they said that they had found a shadow. The head of the ER came in along with the doctor that I'd been seeing and then the nurse and they just looked devastated. And he, he told me that um, there was a very large mass in my chest. In that particular moment, um, after the doctors left, the nurse grabbed my hands and she just started praying with me. I'd been diagnosed with stage 2B non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. My regimen was six rounds of chemotherapy um, every three weeks, and then I would go on to have 20 rounds of radiation. All of these um, life-altering experiences were all different opportunities to basically grow my relationship with God. Um, I learned that He's faithful and that He never left me. I went through a lot in a really short amount of time and really there was two different paths I could have probably gone down. I could have, you know, just gotten very angry, but instead I just chose to look at it all as a positive. While we can't go back and make a brand new start, anyone can start now and make a brand new ending. Wow, what an incredible story. And Megan and her family are so involved in our church. And what we're finding is this. We're in a series called I Am David. And we're finding our story in the life of this guy in the Bible, one of the most famous people in history. We're seeing his story. We're seeing our story there. And, and David faced a giant. We're gonna find out today. And Megan was facing a giant in her life. And but God had a plan. And she held on. She said, this is where my faith grew the most. And this is what God was doing in me. And so I pray that we're gonna find our story in this series. Last week we launched the series and we saw how David was anointed to be king, right? And God spoke and he said to Samuel, the prophet said, hey, I've rejected the current king Saul. His heart has wandered from me. He's far from me. Go to the house of Jesse in Bethlehem and anoint one of his sons to be king. And Jesse brings out seven of his sons and Samuel's like, it's not any of them. He goes, oh, I didn't even invite the eighth. He's still out keeping the sheep. Go get him, Samuel says. And he comes in. He's like, he's the one. And so at 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 years old, just as a young man, David is anointed king. Now, he doesn't become the king for 10 more years. But at that point, he knows that God is with him. He knows that God has a plan for him. And we saw last week in 1 Samuel that God has a plan for all of us. That, that God has chosen you. We heard last week from Don Burns who, who God spoke and said, hey, you're going to move to Nashville. And it wasn't 13 years till 13 years later till she moved here. And then God had a plan for her. And she's using her platform to further God's kingdom. She's the Nashville mom and using that to help point people to Jesus and to lead people to the Lord. And I'm just so thankful. But God has a plan for you. And God has chosen you. And God has put you here for this time in history. And God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And when we start to discover that, we see our story come to life. And we are encouraged and we're challenged to be the men and women that God has called and created us to be. 
You know, David is one of the most famous people in the Bible. His name is mentioned over a thousand times. Three times more than Abraham, three times more than Moses. Jesus is called the son of David. And what made David special is he was a man after God's heart. And my prayer for all of us is that we will become men and women after God's heart. For however long we have on this earth, that we become men and women to follow God and just say, God, here I am. Use me, God, for your name and for your glory. But it doesn't mean we won't face challenges. And David faced a huge challenge in his life. And we're going to see that unfold today and see what God did through David and what God wants to do through us. So if you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to 1 Samuel 17. We're going to see one of the most famous stories in all the Bible today. 1 Samuel, back toward the front of your Bible, you got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers of Deuteronomy, the first five books, the Old Testament, the law, the Torah, and then it goes Joshua, Judges, Ruth, and then you've got the first and seconds, first, second Samuel, first, second Kings, first, second Chronicles. We're going to be in first Samuel 17. Now, if you don't have a Bible, we've got some Bibles for you in the back. Love for you to grab a Bible and, hey, you can write in it, mark it in. We'll also put the scripture on the screen. Or if you've got a mobile device, check it out on version and follow along with what God's word has to say. So pick up here, 1 Samuel 17. It says, now the Philistines, and the Philistines were kind of the arch enemies of the Israelites. If you read the Old Testament, you always see like they're fighting these battles. Well, that's the Philistines. The Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Sokol in Judah, they pitched camp at Ephes Demian between Sokol and Ezekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. Now, as a church, about every two years, we do a biblical study tour and we go to Israel. And we're going to be doing that, you know, in October of this year. So at some point, I just encourage you, man, go. It is incredible. We'll do that every couple of years and kind of plan ahead. But we fly to Tel Aviv and then we drive down and we actually stood right here in the Valley of Allah. And so I took this picture right here that you can see. And so think about this. This is where this story actually took place. The Philistines are over on this ridge. The Israelites are camped on this ridge. The Philistines are a coastal people, okay? So, so they're coming up, Gath, Ekron are all along the coast. And this valley comes up through to go to Bethlehem and into Jerusalem. So if you're an outside army attacking, you're going to come through this valley. And, and so you think the Israelites over here, they're protecting Bethlehem and Jerusalem and all that. They're kind of blocking this ridge. And you got the Philistine whole army camped over there in the valley in between. That's the valley of Allah. And look at verse 4. It says, a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out from the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits in a span. So if you got a footnote in your Bible, you can go down and look at the bottom and see how tall that actually is. And it says that is about nine feet, nine inches tall. Nine feet, nine inches. Okay, that's like a basketball goal. Right? I mean, this guy is enormous, right? This is Andre the Giant. This is Manute Bowl. I mean, this is like, I mean, this guy is tall. But not only is he tall, he had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. Okay, so his armor weighs 125 pounds. So not only is this guy tall, he's not like tall and skinny kind of tall. Like, I mean, he is tall like mountain of a guy tall. Like, put a head on a refrigerator kind of tall. I mean, this guy is jacked kind of tall. This guy is massive. He's walking around with 125 
pounds of armor. And on his legs, he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. So the iron point alone weighed 15 pounds. I mean, imagine, I mean, like this guy is a real warrior. His shield bearer went ahead of him and Goliath stood and shouted so that the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and the, all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. So back then, many times they would bring a warrior down and say, hey, we want to challenge you. Mono e mono, one on one. So you can picture here Goliath coming down the ridge and he shouts out, Hey, Saul, you're the king. And all your men, I defy you. Saul, who was the king, was the tallest of all. You may remember he was tall and he was strong, but he was scared. He was scared. Now, if you keep reading in the text, we know this, that David was still back taking care of the sheep. And he was back there with his dad, Jesse, he's taking care of the sheep. And his dad comes and says, hey, your three older brothers, they're there with Saul fighting the battle. Why don't you take some food to them and go check on them? And David's like, okay. And David's probably 23, 24, 25 years old at this point. He's heard God speak to him. He still hasn't been anointed king officially. That's still Saul who's still officially the king even though God has rejected him because his heart has wandered from the Lord. But David takes this food and he heads down to see his brothers. And he gets there right at the time that Goliath has come down the ridge and is shouting this. And Goliath has been shouting at Israel for 40 days. 40 days, he's saying, I defy you and I defy your God. And David shows up with this food and says, hey, 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 what's going on? Why didn't somebody go down there and fight this guy? Are you just gonna let him say this kind of stuff? He's trash talking Israel, right? He's trash talking our God. And they're like, hey, settle down, shepherd boy, you know, <laughs> hold on, this guy is a warrior, you know, you're a young man, what are you thinking? He's like, He's defying our God. I'll go down there. So they take him to Saul, the king, and pick up in verse 32. It says, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. And Saul replied, you're not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the power of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic and put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. 
David fastened the sword over his tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. You know, remember Saul's tall, right? He's big and he puts all this armor on David. And David says, I can't go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off and then he took his staff in his hand and he chose five smooth stones from the stream. So you can look at David and he's got his staff and he's picking up these five smooth stones and he put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag and with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. So you can imagine, you know, Goliath's down there and he's calling out and here comes David starting down the ridge. Meanwhile, the Philistine with the shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and he saw that he was little more than a boy glowing with health and handsome and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? Like, is this the best you got? Really? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. Now, I don't know if you underline your Bible, but man, if you do, underline this next verse. Star it, highlight it, whatever you want to do right here. Because David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down, cut off your head. This very day, I will give your carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Not the whole world will know how great I am. The whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All glory to our God. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran. I love this. David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone without a sword in his hand and he struck the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. Their dead were strewn along the Shariam road to Gath and Ekron. When the Philistines returned from chasing, when the Israelites returned from chasing the Philistines, they plundered their camp. Yes! <laughs> I mean, isn't that awesome? I mean, I just love that. Here comes David down. Here's this giant. And David's like, hey, I'm coming at you, right? Not with sword and spear and javelin, but in the name of the Lord, God Almighty. Yes, the battle is the Lord's. Hey, if you're taking notes today, here's some things I want you to write down. Here's some things I want you to get. Here's some truths that we see in 1 Samuel 17. Because the fact is this, we're all gonna face giants in our life. And maybe you're here today and you're facing a giant right now. Maybe like Megan, it was cancer. Or maybe it's a friend who's going through a tough time. Maybe you have a wayward child. 
Maybe you're in a financial crisis. Maybe there's something going on with a job. Maybe there's something going on in your marriage. Listen, I wanna tell you our God is here. And God wants to speak to you today. And maybe you're not facing a giant right now, but, but there will be one day. And God will call you. And God's preparing you for what he's calling you to do. So I want you to hear this today. If you're writing some things down, write this. Number one, that there are five stones for facing giants. Five stones from facing giants. You know, when we were there a couple years ago in the Valley of Allah, I, I reached down and I picked up one of the stones. This is actually from that Valley of Allah. I think this is actually the stone that killed Goliath. I think I found it right here. It's a little blood, right? So, but, uh, but, but I can just imagine David down there and he's picking up. And some people go, why do you pick up five? Right? I mean, maybe Goliath had four brothers. You know, we don't know, you know. But, but I really think David was like, hey, I'm just going to be safe. I'm just going to be sure, you know. So I'm going to take this. I'm going to put it here. If I miss, I don't know. But, you know, the battle is the Lord's. But, it, but I've got another stone. And today, I want you to put these five stones in your bag. I want you to put these five stones and hold on to them and take them with you. And the first stone is this. It's the stone of perspective. It's the stone of perspective. You see, David saw differently because David looked at the giant like the Lord will look at this giant. And all of Israel is frozen in fear, sitting up on the ridge, scared to take a step. And David looked down and he saw differently. Giants aren't always what they seem. Giants aren't always what they seem. There's a New York Times bestselling author named Malcolm Gladwell. And uh, he's written some great books, you know, Tipping Point, Blink, and some others. But he wrote a book on David and Goliath. <laughs> and he said it was writing this book that he really rediscovered his faith. He grew up in a midnight home and he had kind of walked away from the Lord. But as he was studying the story, he says, man, I, I'm coming back to the Lord. And he really rededicated his life back to God. But it was interesting. He said, as I started to study the story, what I realized is, wait a minute. David may have actually had the advantage. You see, back then when they fought in ancient warfare, there was kind of three types of fighters, right? There was the infantryman, and that's what, you know, Goliath was. He was, he was a guy who fought hand-to-hand -hand combat, mano a mano. He was right there. You notice what he said, come to me, come to me, and I'll give your, you know, your flesh to the animals. You know, come to me. And so there was people who fought that way with swords and spears. But there was also cavalry. You know, there were people who come down on horseback or with their chariots, and you would still struggle against Goliath because, I mean, of all the armor that he had, and he was a giant. But the third type was this. They were slingers. Slingers. And that's what David was. And David was a slinger. There were archers. These guys were kind of the snipers. And back then, uh, David, you know, would take his slingshot. And it wasn't one of those little slingshots like this, right? I mean, it wasn't like a kid. I mean, they had a leather pouch. And they would put the, the stone or the rock in that leather pouch and have two long leather straps. And then these guys could just whip it. And they start getting it going so fast. And they would let go of one of the straps and boom, throw it. And this thing would travel over 100 miles an hour. They could drop birds out of the air. I mean, they were just pinpoint can nail you with this and drop you. And David was a slinger. So he's coming down. He doesn't have any armor on, right? He's got a staff in his hand. He's got a sling. Goliath doesn't see it. And Goliath's a sitting duck. David's fast. 
He's quick, he's young, and he's gonna take a shot. And he knows if I miss, I gotta take another shot. But I'm gonna drop this guy. Giants aren't always what they seem. And Malcolm Gladwell goes, you know, as I'm reading this story, I start to realize he's God, I'm not. God's the one who's gonna win the battle. God is gonna be the one who drops him. And you notice that, I love this, when the stone hit, it sank in and says he fell down face forward. He went down, shouldn't, momentum should have knocked him backwards, but God wins the battle. Giants aren't always what they seem. The onlooker saw a giant, but David saw someone defying his God. And David saw a victory to be won. And David saw what God could do. The onlookers were just looking at a giant. When you face something that seems impossible or insurmountable, pray, pray. And I know it sounds so elementary, but guys, listen, so often we don't pray. So often we look at the giant and we just kind of go, ah, and we're scared and we step back and we don't engage. But that's the time we drop to our knees and go, okay, God, open my eyes. Let me see as you see. Let me see this situation as you see it. Give me eyes to see. Give me a heart to hear, Father, what you want to do. God, the victory is yours. Pray. So often we go and try to fight in our own power instead of fighting in the power of the Lord. In the New Testament, in Mark chapter 9, there was a guy, a dad, and he brings his son to Jesus because his son was having epilepsy. His son was having this, this spirit. It would just throw him down on the ground, and the dad's heart is like, I want healing for my son. And he brings him. The disciples are there. The disciples are trying to heal this boy, and they can't. And so the dad comes to Jesus and says, hey, I brought my son and my young son, and I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Jesus, if you can, will you heal him? And Jesus goes, if I can? If I can? And then I love what Jesus says in Mark chapter 9. He says, everything is possible for the one who believes and the dad response is this. The dad goes, I believe, I believe. Help my unbelief. <laughs> you ever been there? <laughs> God, I believe, I believe. But help my unbelief. God, there's just this little corner of my heart where I'm trying to hang on to it. God, help my, help my unbelief. And Jesus heals him. He heals him. And later on, the disciples come and they say, why couldn't we do it? Why couldn't we do it? And Jesus goes, this spirit only comes out by prayer. You skipped a step. You tried to engage, you skipped a step. You forgot to pray, you forgot to fast, you forgot to call the Lord in on this deal. And so often that's where our perspective comes. Hey, put this rock of perspective in your bag. You're gonna need it at some point. Second, second stone to pick up is this. This is a stone of power. Power. You know what? David put this stone in his bag. Power, because David knew. He knew what God and God alone could do. The Spirit of God in you is greater. The Spirit of God in you is greater. Whatever you're facing today, just know this, the Spirit of God is greater. David came at Goliath, not in his own power, but in God's power. David didn't just look and go, wow, he's 9'9", and look at me, I'm not that tall or that strong. David looked and saw God. <laughs> he saw the Spirit of God. If you go back in 1 Samuel 16, when David is anointed, right, by Samuel, and here he is, 16, 17, 18, 19 years old, and, and Samuel whispers in his ear, you are chosen, you're going to be the next king. You know what it says in verse 13? 
says, from that moment on, the Spirit of God came powerfully upon David. The Spirit of God came powerfully upon David. David knew, God is with me. God is for me. And I want you to know this. If you are in Christ, the same Spirit in David is the same Spirit in you. When you become a follower of Jesus, God places his Holy Spirit in you. God's given you the power. God's given you the strength. God's saying, you go forward and you live life with confidence. You live life with boldness. Here's what John, the disciple, would later write in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. He says, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The one in you is greater. The one in you is greater. Put that stone in your bag. Hold on to that truth. Know that God is with you and God is for you. Here's stone number three, faith. <laughs> faith. David had the faith. David started walking down the mountain. God calls us to live by faith, not by fear. Here's my question. Where was Saul in all this? I mean, where was Saul? Saul was the king, right? The people wanted a king who was tall, who was strong, who looked like a king, and they got Saul. And for 40 days, Goliath is calling out. And for 40 days... Saul sitting up on the ridge. Why didn't Saul go down? You know why? Because he got lazy. He got comfortable. He used to fight. He used to be engaged. But, but now he's sitting up there probably in a tent, somebody fanning him, eating grapes, right? He's like, oh, I'm not going. Uh-uh. No, I'm not engaging. Oh, no, 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 not me. Why didn't anybody else? Why didn't Eliab, right? That'd be the tall guy, right? David's oldest brother, right? I mean, why didn't he engage? Here's the thing. We live in a society of spectators. Man, we live in a society of spectators, don't we? We got CMA Fest going on, which is great, which is awesome. It's fun. We got live music. It's happening all the time. I love live music. We live in a town. We got the Predators. We got the Titans. And we got, everybody goes to watch. And it's great. I love sports. I love music. It is fun to be there. But what can happen is we bring that mentality over into our spiritual lives. And we just kind of show up a lot of times for church. We're like, okay, you guys got to do your thing. There'll be people who will serve. There'll be people who give. There'll be people who will go on missions. And I'm just going to kind of kick back here. And you guys entertain me because you know what? You know, I'm just a spectator. You're not a spectator. God's called us to live it out. God's called us to engage. And David won the battle when he stepped down off the ridge and started walking toward Goliath. And that's what God calls us to. Faith is meant to be lived out. And sometimes we can fall to the mentality and we go, hey, I'll let other people, you know, take a step of faith and be baptized. I'll let other people go and serve in our community. I'll let other people worship and serve. And I'll let other people do mission. I'll let other people do. No. It's us. It's you. And you're like, I don't have that much to offer. You've got the Holy Spirit in you. You've got the Lord God Almighty. 
Teddy Roosevelt wrote this. It's not the critic who counts. And boy, we live in a world of critics, don't we? It's not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and who comes up short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasm, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither knew victory nor defeat. Man, we can live in a world that just wants to lob through social media and be critical of everybody else, but man, God's saying, you engage. You step out for the glory of God you pray, you go, you invite, you encourage. David won when he stepped down and started walking toward Goliath in the name of the Lord. Hey, there's another one I want you to put in your bag. Here's the four stone example. Example. What kind of example was Saul? <laughs> but what kind of example was David. See, your faith in God will inspire others. Your faith in God will inspire others. I mean, think about that. Those guys on the ridge were just waiting for somebody to step down. And when, when David killed Goliath, the entire nation was empowered. I mean, they, they came out, they were stronger. They whipped the Philistines. I mean, their Philistines' body were just strewn along the road. They had the power. They were just waiting for somebody to step out. Dads and moms, what kind of example are you setting? Your kids see you stepping up spiritually. Your kids saying, hey, they're living it out. I want to follow that. And sometimes as adults, we go, well, you know what? I don't know. I don't want to get too radical here. I don't, you know, I don't want people to think. You know what people are going to think? And they're like, yes. Way to go. My dad was baptized. Man, that was awesome. My mom, man, she's just, I see her doing her Bible study. It's, it's awesome. And my dad said he wants us to, to pray together. Man, I'm so thankful. Man, they're inviting people to church like crazy. Wow. So proud of them. We're all setting an example. What example are we setting? And for many of you, and you're coming down the mountain, you're living and your kids are following. That's why camp is so awesome because the kids are like, yes, my parents are living it out. I'm gonna live it out. We get this opportunity. And it's not the outcome, guys, it's the obedience. It's the stepping forward. You know, this past week was the 75th anniversary of Normandy D-Day. And I just think about 10,000 allied troops were storming that beach. And you talk about a giant, you talk about a Goliath, you talk about Hitler and the evil and the Holocaust. There were people who said, we're storming this beach because they know there's gonna be people who are gonna come after us and we're gonna drop this giant. And that battle changed the entire war, changed history. There's gonna be a calling for all of us to step out of what we believe in. 
Yesterday, I did a funeral right here on, for a girl in our church, 21 years old. She fought brain cancer for seven years. She would sit right over there. Her dad was invited to church about three years ago by a guy at work. Invited him to church. And he started coming and his wife and bringing Crystal. And last Easter, April 1st, 2018, James the dad and Crystal the daughter were baptized right out there. And Crystal just started growing in her faith exponentially. Telling people about Jesus all the time. Part of our college young adults group, I mean, just love the Lord. And I remember last year, November, November 4th, we were doing our For the Kingdom whole campaign and talking about, you know, raising money over and above, you know, to give for middle school, high school, and the next generation and missions around the world. And I said, hey, if you're for the kingdom, I want to invite you right now to just stand up. Wherever you are, would you just stand up? And I looked over, and Crystal was pushing up out of her wheelchair. And her mom and dad on each side, just lifting her arms. And it was the last time I saw her stand. But I want you to know this. She's standing today. She is standing today with Jesus. And she is worshiping. And her dad stood right here on this stage and said, my daughter would want you to know that she doesn't want to spend eternity without you. And it comes in Jesus Christ. No, Jesus. And I just thought, man, what an example she's setting. Corey Tinboom said, it's not the duration of your life that matters. It's the donation of your life. And guys, I don't know how long we have. We may get 21 years, maybe get 50 years, maybe get 70 years or 80 or 100. But I don't want to be sitting on the ridge. I don't want to be idle in my life. I want to be living it all for the glory of God. Hey, when you take a step of faith, you set an example for those around you. You do. When you step out and say, okay, I'm ready, I want to be baptized, or hey, I want to pray together as a family, I want to pray with our spouse, I want, I want to take a step, I want to serve, I can worship what I can serve, I can do that, I, I can take a step of faith, I'm scared to death, I can go on a mission trip at some point in my life, I can do these things. If you set an example for others, David inspired the entire nation, and so can you. And here's the last one to put in your bag, it's this, victory. Victory. See, David knew. <laughs> David knew when he was picking up this stone, hey, it's already won. It's already won. <laughs> God is the victor. God is the ultimate victor. God's gonna win the battle. God's got this. David knew that. David was already on the winning team because of God's promise to his people. David was already on the winning team. God had made a promise. You are my people. And David knew God's got the victory. Hey guys, listen. For us who are in Christ, Jesus has won the victory. Jesus is our victory. Jesus stood in our place. When we looked at that Goliath sin, we all sinned and fallen short. And the wages of sin is death. And we looked at death and we said, there's no way. I have no chance. I have no hope. I can't be perfect. And Jesus says, you're right. You can't. But I can. And he stepped in and he took our place 
And he went to the cross. And Satan thought he had won, didn't he? <laughs> Satan thought he had won. And three days later, Jesus rose again, making a way for you and for me to have eternal life, to spend our lives with God Almighty. The victory is sure. That's why it says in Romans chapter 8, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors. God's got this. Hey, what giant are you facing in your life? Are you living your life in fear? Or are you living your life in faith? Do you know that the victory is the Lord's? Are you going at Goliath with your own power? Or are you going in God's power? Because David said, right, you come at me with sword with spear and with javelin, but I come at you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. I don't know where you are today, but I know this, God is here. I don't know what you're facing, but I know whatever it is, God is greater. Maybe you're here today and man, there's this fear, there's anxiety. Today, would you just release that? Say, God, come in me. Fill me with your spirit. Maybe today you just need to say, God, I surrender. Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I've been living life of my own power. And I need you. Jesus, forgive me my sins. Help my unbelief. Maybe today God's saying, it's time. It's time for you to take a step of faith. It's time for you to walk down. You're gonna inspire others. Grandparents, you inspire families and generations as you follow the Lord. Parents, you inspire your kids. What example are we setting? Let's be men and women after the heart of God. So Father, Lord, here we are, your disciples. And God, the victory is yours. And we come today with grateful hearts, God, knowing that you have won victories in our life in the past. You've won the greatest victory of all for us, Father, in salvation. And it impacts eternity. And today, God, we come with confidence knowing that whatever we face, God, you're greater. And so, Lord, we want to respond to you in this moment. We want to give you the praise and give you the glory. We want to invite you into our hearts and our lives. And Father, we want to be men and women after you all of our days. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to invite you to stand and we're going to worship. You can pray. You can sing. But what is God saying to you? What victories does God want in your life? Let's declare that back to him right now.